0: Lit, where all things literary live at the root. I'm Danielle Belton, The Roots Editor-in-Chief, here with Managing Editor of The Glow Up, Maisha Kai. Hi there. <laughs> Maisha. we have two very esteemed guests today, Dr. Keisha Blaine and Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. Both Dr. Blaine and Dr. Kendi are accomplished authors and historians in their own right. Dr. Blaine being perhaps best known for her book, Set the World on Fire, Black Nationalist Women and the Global Struggle for Freedom and Dr. Kendi's book, Stamped from the Beginning, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America, which won the National Book Award in 2017. And his second book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, was one of the biggest books of 2020. Now Dr. Blaine and Dr. Kendi have come together to edit a new book, 400 Souls, A Community History of African America from 1619 to 2019. And we had the honor of getting to speak with them about how this project came together. Yeah, you know,
1: I couldn't come at a better time. I mean, aside from the fact that it's Black History Month, I think, you know, after the events of the last year, it, there couldn't be a better time to reflect. And I love that this really kind of picks up where 1619 Project left off. Um, well, at, or at least a conversation that it started. Yes. And Nicole Hannah Jones is involved here. So I love that, as is our own Michael Harriet. So we love that mm. too. <laughs> But, uh you know, this is a tremendous undertaking. That's right. I Really. I mean, I learned so much from Michael all the time, just like, you know, <laughs> reading over his pieces. And this book, I think, is going to be one of those books that really should end up on the shelves of pretty much every household in America, Black or otherwise, you know?
0: Yeah, I needed to end up in schools. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Know. I want it. I want college curriculum. So yes. I want the whole thing. I, I want it all. <laughs> I want it all. Well, I also want to get to this interview. So let's get to it. <laughs> let's do it.
2: Doctors Blaine and Kendi, welcome to It's Lit.
3: Thanks for having us. Yes, it's, it's, it's truly an honor to be on the show.
2: Oh,
0: the honor is all of ours because we are beyond excited to have both of you with us today to discuss the incredible 400 Souls, a community history of African America from 1619 to 2019. And we're going to drop the formalities a bit and call you Keisha and Ibram since we're all family here. <laughs> <laughs> But we have a little family tradition here on It's Lit. Since we're a podcast about Black books, authors, journalists, all things writing, we like to start every episode by asking our guests to name at least one book they have considered life-altering, life-changing, mind-blowing, the book that begat every book for you. Starting with you, Keisha, what was that book?
2: So that book was uh, To Joy My Freedom by Tara Hunter. Just a remarkable study on Black women's history, which, of course, set me on the path to become a historian. And I ended up having a, a great opportunity to work with Tara Hunter.
0: Amazing. And
3: uh, Ibrahim, how about you? Oh, man. Uh, one book. Jeez. Uh, I think I would probably say um, Black Reconstruction by W. B. Du Bois. Um,
0: All right. That's a good one. That's the first one. Yeah, we, no one has re- referenced that book on our show before, I think. Either of these. I mean, I, that's good. Yeah, this is great. I New love New books. <laughs> <laughs> New old books. I love it. I love it. Those are excellent choices. But, you know, we're here to celebrate and discuss what we consider to be another must-read, your anthology, 400 Souls, which was published last week in tandem with the start of Black History Month. And this is a deep dive into the creation of the community you call African America. Together, you recruited 90 writers to individually chronicle now, the now 400-plus years since our ancestors arrived on this country's shores and continued a conversation that, for many, only began in 2019 with the New York Times 1619 Project. And it's worth noting that that project's originator, Nicole Hannah-Jones, since the first five years chronicled in Four Hundred Souls, the arrival. How did this project originate, and how did you two come together as co-editors?
3: Well, I, I, I in 2018, as the 400th, really symbolic birthday of, of Black America approached, in 2019, I was thinking of a, a, a way to commemorate and recognize. These four hundred years, and of course, being an historian, the first idea was why not write a history? But as you know, histories are oftentimes histories of a community, whether the Black community or um, any community, are typically written by individuals, oftentimes men. And and so, you know, I thought, well, what if we brought together a community of writers to to write the history of the community? What if we broke up these 400 years into five-year periods and asked 80 writers to, to write pieces on that five-year period. And and what if we also brought in poets to also reflect on 40 years? And so it was a, just a, an idea, um, a pretty monumental idea. And, and, you know, Keisha Blaine and I had, had worked um, and co-edited together in the past. And, you know, she has done incredible... Sort of monumental work. I've talked about how she's moved mountains. So you know, when I I knew that if there was anyone who could help me pull this off, it was Professor Blaine. So somehow, some way, she agreed uh, <laughs> to come on board. Um, and 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 also, I think part of our idea was not just to write this history using a, with a community, but also for these ninety writers in total. To make history, meaning a hundred years from now, three hundred years from now, when people are asking the question, "Well, what were Black folks thinking? How are they remembering when they turn four hundred years old?" and 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 they can sort of take pick up this book. And, and see a sampling of, of, of what Black folks, many different types of Black folks, men and, and, and women, you know, gay and straight, cis and trans, and people from different ethnic backgrounds and older and younger folks, that in many ways represents, um, or I should say is a sampling of the Black community.
1: Well, you know, we had heard, tell of your of your persuasive skills when Jason Reynolds was on the podcast. <laughs> we had heard that you have a talent <laughs> for persuading people to do things that you know that result in these incredible books, uh, and you've amassed—you uh, know—the two of you have amassed a, a, a staggering amount of talent here. You've got Donna Brazil and Angela Davis and Alicia Garza, Sherilyn Eiffel, Isabel Wilkerson, and and The Roots' very own Michael Harriet. We are so proud, <laughs> and each of them is is writing an essay on a five year period of our legacy. So, you know, out of curiosity, how did how did you determine kind of these like five year breaks and the specific structure and kind of what was the process of identifying and assigning these particular talents, this incredible pool of talent to participate?
2: Well, we decided very early that it was important to make sure that every single essay essentially grappled with a specific topic or perhaps explored a a particular historical figure. Uh, and did so equally. So we were really thinking about how each piece would represent a sort of equal uh, interrogation of a a particular idea. So that meant making sure that every author grappled with the same number of years. Uh, Of course, doing that disrupts the general narrative of history, because had we, uh, for example, said, okay, let's focus on the Civil War, let's focus on Reconstruction, and then, you know, there are some moments that would be a 10-year break, or it might be a two-year break, or or maybe there's a, a moment in time, like a specific court case that would cover just one specific year, uh, then we felt like that would have led to a bit more uh, inconsistency. And it was important to bring the narrative together, to have cohesion, and to have a sense of balance throughout. So bringing it up equally in five years forced authors to, in some ways, be creative because they were really trying to work within a, a limited period of time, uh, but an equal period of time. And and so I think, uh, as you see from essay to essay, there's a sense of uniformity, even as each piece is unique. And that structure, I think, made that possible.
1: Well, I mean, as we know, both of you, and, and for those who don't, of our listeners, these are both deeply well-versed historians. But were there any revelations about our history that kind of surfaced in this process of of procuring these essays?
3: Ah, uh, man, I I think for me, one of the beauties of, of 400 Souls is is that we showcase and and lift up so many ordinary African Americans who who were able to just do incredible or extraordinary. Things And so there were certainly people who, who our writers wrote about who I had not heard of. You know, for instance, uh, Martha Jones writes about the American Revolution and, and doesn't, of course, write about the Declaration of Independence and instead writes about a woman named Mumbet um, from Massachusetts who was critical in Massachusetts as a state living up to its its ideals as this sort of beacon of freedom, and, and sort of challenging and bringing her her case as an enslaved woman before the court, and so there are so many stories of like that with, with within four hundred souls, and which was just beautiful for me because you know when I was receiving, and I suspect you know uh, Professor Blaine maybe thinks the same thing when we were receiving these these essays, you know I was just consistently blown away. I mean even mm-hmm. when 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 michael uh, harriet sort of writes about those white supremacists as terror cells and and the way that sort of connects to this moment and and the way in which he classified black folks as the hero and, and you know there's just even the way in which people were framing things to me was 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 blowing me away and 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 causing me to think in ways i had not before
2: yeah i would agree with that too uh, and just to quickly add one example that just came to mind as we were talking uh, is the essay by Harriet Washington. And Harriet Washington you know, writes about race and medicine. And initially, when we approached her to contribute a piece, we had another idea in mind. And she responded and said, I'd love to do this, but can I write a piece on James McCune Smith? Uh, and, of course, I remember thinking, well, who in the world is that? Uh, I had no idea who this person was. But this is someone who she was writing about in her larger research, and she thought it would be important to tell his story. And as it turns out, this was the first African-American to hold a medical degree. Um, And it was remarkable to learn about this individual. And of course, you know, Ibram and I are both professional historians, but we had not uh, encountered his story. And to be able to learn his narrative through this telling uh, by Harriet Washington was phenomenal.
0: Mm. You know, this is a history book that opens with the, quote, 20 or so odd Negroes who arrived in Jamestown, Virginia in 1619 and ostensibly closes 400 years later in 2019. But obviously this book was going to print during or just ahead of some of the most tumultuous events of the historic year that was 2020. You allude to this in your conclusion, Keisha, where you write, quote, I am not yet convinced we are our ancestors' wildest dreams, at least not yet, end quote. Given what we saw unfold in the remainder of 2020, racial uprisings and reckonings, a still contentious presidential election, the first female and Black and South Asian vice president, and the insurrection that marked the beginning of 2021, in addition to an ongoing pandemic, what perceptions or hopes do you have now?
2: Well, you know, as you note, know, we were certainly thinking about so many of these developments as we were finishing the book. And in fact, I had written one version of the conclusion, which I ultimately discarded and had to write a new conclusion. And we wrapped up the book just about October. So right before the election uh, and at the time that we were finishing up the book, as you know, we were really thinking about and dealing with the ongoing challenges of COVID-19, as well as the uprisings, just to name a few. And so all of these things were on my mind as I was writing. So I I felt a sense um of despair as I was writing the conclusion, but I also wanted to convey a sense of hope. I had no idea what would happen in November, but I was certainly anticipating, uh, you know, good news. I was really hoping that we would uh, see the end of the Trump presidency. And for me, It was about looking ahead and imagining that we would actually begin to make steps as a nation uh, toward, you know, toward ultimately creating this inclusive democracy that we say that we stand for, that supposedly, you know, comes out of the even the U.S. Constitution. So it's all of these ideals that we say we hold dear. I was really hoping that, you know, with the elections that we would see, uh, something happened that would move us in the right direction. Thankfully, I think I join a lot of people in celebrating the outcome, but at the same time, feeling like we can't just celebrate. We have to make sure uh, that you know those who are now in power will actually deliver on their promises.
0: On that note, this book is dedicated quote to all the souls taken by COVID nineteen, which relates back to what we've been talking about you know, which is a virus we know has disproportionately affected African-Americans, though you don't make the distinction here, but clearly there's a correlation between what we're seeing now and the through line of the legacy you're spotlighting here. How do you hope this book further puts this crisis in context?
3: Well, I mean, for me, the the question ultimately is, are Black folks dying at twice the rate of white people from COVID 19 because there's something wrong with black folks? Or is it because of this nation's racism and its history of racism and its history of anti black racism? And, and for me, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with black folks as a group. And this book actually demonstrates that there's nothing wrong with black folks, you know, as a group. We're human, deeply human. And at the same time we faced 400 years of of, of of racism which then can explain the disparities that 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 they were that 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 took so many sort of black lives from covid-19 and even police violence and and i think that's what history does history allows you to understand your world and and i think that's what i'm hoping 400 souls does it it, it provides the more people read this text and other Black history texts, the more clearer they're able to sort of see the world that they live in.
1: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You know, uh, remind one of the things I was doing last week, was I was looking at another project that you were involved in, which was your collaboration with Time Magazine on its Black Renaissance issue. Uh, you know, so this is on a lighter note, actually, <laughs> yes. but you know, this is an era that you kind of spotlight as, as beginning around like six years ago or so. And obviously part of the very rich legacy of us in America as Black people is our ingenuity in the midst of chaos, confusion, oppression, all that, right? <laughs> you know. And and I think we'd like to all believe our renaissance is ongoing, but you know, what do you hope that our people collectively pull from these converging crises that we currently find ourselves in? And you know, knowing that we love to also say black people are not a monolith. Like what do you how do you hope it might further help us kind of coalesce as a community?
3: Well, <sighs> It's 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 striking you you say in terms of coalesce, you know, as a community, because I I think for us there were there were two reasons to, to to subtitle this a community history. You know, first because a community of writers wrote the history. And then secondly, because black folks have been made into a community, and then we've reconstructed this community, and individuals, of course, have you know, have been sort of had to weave in and out of the community. But, but for me, I think one of the biggest lessons that I have from reading African-American history is that Black folks over the course of generations have realized, like individual Black folks, have realized that they are not going to be free until their community is free. And, and if there's any lesson that, that Black folks can, can take from this text, it's what we've been telling our, what we've been saying for 400 years. So what that means is, is it's important, you know, for us to, to think that, you know what, the way I get free is by fighting against what's happening to, to black people writ large, what's fighting, what's fighting against racism, you know, fighting against what's happening to, to black women or, or black queer people. That's how I get free. Um, and, and I think, Oftentimes, you have some individuals who are black who who imagine that somehow they're going to get free as individuals, while the rest of us stay subjugated, and that's just not how it works.
1: Fair, you know, because we've also, you know, obviously last last year <laughs> with the uh, everything that happened, uh, which was I think pretty traumatic to us as a community. In the midst of all that, you know, we were seeing a lot of interest, uh, both performative and genuine. In Black Thought and Creativity, do you have any thoughts, you know, and this goes to both of you, do you have any thoughts on how we avoid this just kind of being another passing trend, this, you know, interest, this concern for for the state of the Black community?
2: Well, I think, you know, as Black writers, part of what we are doing, and certainly this is not unique to just the two of us, but part of what we are doing is... Asking people to do more than simply read our books, to do more than simply attend our, you know, our talks and follow us online or what have you, but actually listen to what we have to say and then actually make steps forward and and act on what it is we have to say. And so part of this project, certainly in our larger work, uh, is to shed the light on the history in order to help people understand where we are as a nation, uh, and to give them the tools for ultimately being able to shape the future. Uh, and so, what what I think we are asking, um, and this is true for for so many Black writers in this moment, is you know we're excited that people are interested in in the work, and we're excited that people are reading the books. But I know Ibram will agree with me that you know. We want people to not simply read our books and enjoy the books and go on their merry way. We want them to read the books, be transformed by the books, and then begin to transform their their communities and and begin to do the work because ultimately that is what anti racism is and right it's it's doing the work it's not simply talking about it it's it's doing something so I think that's part of what we have to do is is constantly reminding people that this is action and not just a process of, of reading and celebrating. All that is lovely, but it's really just a first step.
0: So in addition to this enormous undertaking you both took as editors, each of you are scholars and authors in your own right. Ibram, we know you have yet another iteration of Stamp from the Beginning coming out, Stamp for Kids. But Keisha, your next book, Until I am Free, Fannie Lou Hamer's Enduring Message to America, is coming out in October. What new perspective are you hoping to bring us on Fannie Lou Hamer, Keisha?
2: Well, I think uh, first and foremost, I think so many people have heard of Fannie Lou Hamer and we see all of her quotes circulating uh, the internet, which is wonderful. But what I have found is that people do not have an in-depth understanding of who she was as a person and what she actually thought about life, about a range of different, uh, you know, social issues. So what I've done in this book uh, is essentially introduced to readers who Fannie Lou Hamer was, but also what she thought, what she thought about police violence, what she thought about voter rights, what she thought about human rights, uh, in order to give people the tools to ultimately, uh, you know, work toward changing society. Uh, and I think there's so much inspiration that one can find in Hamer. A lot of new aspects I cover uh, in this book, but one in particular, and that is her internationalist perspective i think a lot of people will certainly know her within the, the context of the civil rights movement but what i've done is place her in dialogue with activists across the globe to place her in conversation with african uh, activists for example uh, and others who are fighting for liberation on the african continent so i think that is a, a new aspect which i think people will find useful
0: and as you note 400 souls is built as a quote community history How would you both like to see our community use this book?
3: Well, well, for for me, it's when I first sort of held the book, you know, in my hands, it just has just a beautiful cover. And, you know, all of the names of the contributors are are listed, you know, on the back. And it's really, you know, just a beautiful sort of piece of art, you know, in, in many ways, I thought about it in this way but I I really began to see it this way when when it actually came and and in many ways it's it's a love letter to black people from black people and and so it's something that that I cherish just as I cherish history more broadly and so I would I would encourage you know black folks to cherish their history cherish the community history that 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 we wrote First and foremost, you know, obviously, you know, we, we want every person to understand their history. But but it's another thing on another level to cherish sort of one's own history, cherish the ways in which we have struggled and overcame. And in many ways, our, our history, since we've done so many, since we've essentially been able to achieve so many miracles is almost soulful, which is why we called it 400 Souls, to just cherish it and appreciate it.
2: Yeah. And I would just add to, um, you know, as we produce this book, I was certainly thinking about it, uh, in a similar vein of, of this being a gift, right? A, a gift, uh, certainly for, for black people. Um, uh, but quite frankly, a gift for everyone. When you, when you read through this rich and dynamic history and you capture that, which really captures the strength and resilience of black people, it's inspiring and, and it really gives you, I think, a renewed sense of, of just life. And I, I, I have found so much joy in, in holding the book, as Ibram noted, and in reading the book again. And I just, I hope that this book will bring people together, even if it's just, you know even if it, it just happens virtually uh, because of the challenges of COVID-19, that people still find ways to come together in community to talk about the book and really allow the book uh, to speak to them. So I'm excited about that.
0: Amazing. Well, Ibram, Keisha, thank you so much for joining us on It's Lit. That was a very illuminating and thought provoking conversation. We enjoyed every minute of it.
1: Yeah, this book is illuminating as well.
3: Yes, and I really
0: think we can all
1: carry this for generations. So thank you for this. Thank you. Oh,
3: you're welcome. Thank you for having us on.
1: Root Presents It's Lit is produced by myself, Myesha Kai, and Michaela Heck. Our sound engineer is Ryan Allen.
0: If you like the show and want to help us out, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show. And if you have any thoughts or feedback, you can find me on Twitter at Black Snob or on Instagram at Belton Danielle. And you can find me
1: at Myesha on Twitter. That's M-A-I-Y-S-H-A and at Myesha Kai on Instagram.
0: And before we go... We always like to talk a little bit about what we're currently reading. maisha what are you reading these days? I feel like I'm reading a bunch of things.
1: <laughs> Same. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, there's. I, I have my. I feel like I have my hand in several books at the moment because um, there's so many new amazing releases right now. There's In Search of the Color Purple by Salamisha Tillett, which I'm excited. We're, we're going to talk to her soon, and it's. You know, the color purple is like one of my. I think a lot of people's favorite all-time books, and I've always had such an affinity for Alice Walker, so I'm fascinated by this exploration of this landmark work. In addition to that, there's, you know, The Disordered Cosmos, uh, there's, you know, Working My Way Through 400 Souls, because, you know, this is not something you can read no. in, in just one sitting. No. So I've been kind of coming and thumbing back to it and reading different chapters, and it's it's overwhelming
0: but exciting. What are you reading? I am reading Bethelations. Hey now. Lessons from yes. a Mother, an Auntie, and a Bestie by Bevy Smith. I love I mean, Beffy. isn't Bevy everybody's bestie? I mean, she's kind of like everybody's bestie in their heads because
1: she's just exactly. like that, that chick. She is. Know? And she's from Harlem, where I live now. Hey now. Hey now. Don't get better than that. Yes. <laughs>
0: well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, keep it lit.